Hey, Star Child. Welcome back to another episode of The, the Spiritual, Spiritual Gaze. Gaze. I'm Brandon. And I'm Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we are not going to sell you something that we do not believe in ourselves. Yeah, we're not snake oil salesmen. Nor people who are selling you estate jewelry on a late-night television network. <laughs> Brandon's obsessed with this like gem network that is on TV where they sell all kinds of jewelry that I find a little questionable. I mean, it's all pretty ugly, but there's some beautiful stones. It's a state, it's a state jewelry and I've never bought anything, but I do enjoy watching that little turntable spin round and they try to sell you stuff. Yeah. If you've ever seen it and I'm not here to shade anybody for their network and, but I do find it really amusing and funny. It's like, I wish Christopher Guest was still like actively making a movie every year because that would be a great setting for oh, a Christopher Guest really movie. Would be, yeah. <laughs> like the a late gem night network. jewelry yeah. gem network. Oh. And it's so low rent that you can like hear that the recording space is being rented to multiple networks <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Oh, it's so so funny. it's like you hear in the background like somebody selling something else that has nothing to do with the jewelry. It's heartily entertaining. But Angel will come home and he'll like turn on the TV and he'll see that like that was the last channel that I've been watching <laughs> and he really loves to give me grief for that. It's just it's amusing. I love a vintage piece of jewelry. I mean, what can I say? Just to look at it, just to see what they were doing in the sixties or the seventies. No, no one can hate you for that. I mean, people will try. <laughs> um, why don't you introduce yourself? To oh everybody? yes. Who the hell am I? Who are you? Who am I right now? Uh I am Brandon Alter. Uh I am a tarot reader and a tarot teacher. I'm a healer. Uh, and I'm also a writer and an actor. So many things. So many. That was just that was just four. It's good things. Five. Makes you you. Makes me me. I'm Angel Lopez, and I am a film producer and a writer and an astrologer. And that, those are all the things that make me me. And there's probably other things, too. But there are a lot of things that make yeah. you you, but we won't get into all of them here. And our third shade? No. And our third host, <laughs> the very quiet and very adorable Mr. Noche Lopez. Aww. Looking all sweet. Looking all sweet. His hair's grown out, and he looks like a teddy bear. Yeah, he's got his winter coat. He's got his winter coat. So cute. Um, all right. Well, we don't want to linger too long because we have a really great interview to share with y'all. We're our... so excited yeah. to introduce you to James R. Eads, an incredible artist and tarot deck designer. But yeah, so that is coming up very shortly. We'll get into our spirit talk. But first off, hun, how are you? How am I? <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. Thanksgiving, the holidays are here. I have what I would call a seasonal melancholy that visits mm -hmm. me generally around Thanksgiving time. Yeah. And usually stays with me and until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until the second it's over. Until the second it's over. Yeah, you know, I uh I'm feeling fine, but definitely like there is an underlying sadness that I'm kind of like half keeping at bay and half letting come in so well as long as you're communicating with it yeah I'm communicating with it and I feel like you're communicating with it I mean having been with you for a number of years you're communicating with it in the best way you ever have oh really yeah thank you I well, think it's nice so. to be reflected yeah this does always happen to me doesn't it this like yeah. seasonal melancholia I've lived with her before. Okay. Well, there she is. Here she is, everybody. <laughs> you know what part of it is, too? 
because I realized that the year's not over yet. Like it's not even December one, yeah. but I've already kind of like given up on the year. I'm like, well, she's over, you know? <laughs> um, and that's not true. Like a lot can still happen before the year is over. But I think part of this melancholy is like, by the time you get to Thanksgiving, you kind of know what the year was for you. Like it, it basically is yeah, um, you know, of course. 11 twelfths over. And there's just a sadness. Not that this wasn't an incredible year and that, Honestly, this year in particular, like so much happened. There was so much change and I'm so grateful for it. But, you know, you always like think like this is the year that I'm going to meet Oprah. And you know what? It's November and I didn't meet Oprah and I'm a little sad. You will, honey. You I will. know I will. But and it's you'll probably... get that Academy Award Thank too. Thank you. But it's just probably not going to happen before the end of 2018. Not with that attitude. Okay, maybe it will. Oprah, invite me to your holiday party. <laughs> um. My so, sister yeah. just met her and was telling me the story. What? She was so happy. Yeah. Lisa did? She did. When? Yeah. Where? Um, at some event. Oh, my gosh. She was very happy to get to have that experience. Well, we have to have your sister on the show. We will, definitely, at oh some point. Oh, my gosh. Point. Yeah. We'll call it Golden Hour with Lisa Oropesa. Uh, and Oprah's already held my hand, so it's fine. So everyone's held yeah. Oprah's hand but me. <laughs> Great. How's your check-in, honey? Why don't you check-in? Why don't you share from your deep emotional reservoir? I'm good. Yeah, you are good. I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, the light to your dark. Honey. Yeah, you are. The yin to your yang. Um, no, but uh, yeah, no, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I mean, obviously, like I uh, have had my my struggles and um, uh, this week specifically, you know, was an interesting one because I only had to work a couple of days because we had Thanksgiving, but I enjoyed Thanksgiving quite a bit. I really embraced it as just like a time to kind of shut down to you some baked degree. Cookies. I baked cookies. I don't y'all. know if you have ever baked cookies the entire time we've been together. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I, I think I have, but it's been a long, long time. Yeah, they were delicious. They were pumpkin pie cookies. Yeah, everybody with a maple icing. Mm, they were delicious. I miss them. I worked it out. I was very proud of myself. I was proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But yeah, I think I'm just trying to, you know, sort of express myself and do the thing. And yeah, I can relate to your whole uh, statement about getting to the end of the year and feeling like, well, there there's that one. Um, But I'm definitely, uh, you know, looking at the few things I have left in uh, in this year. Um, as opportunities to still lay some, you know, foundation for the next year. Um, so I'm just trying to, you know, it's that that Jupiter. I'm just trying to hold on to her. Yeah. And pull forward. Which, Which is, is a great good. little segue yeah. <laughs> yeah, into our brand new segment for all you gazers. We thought that we would introduce a segment that would very briefly tune you in to the planetary aspects and transits that are happening now. So we are calling this new segment, The Spiritual Gaze Cosmic Update. So babe, please give us the Cosmic Update. All right, everyone. Well, we are officially in Sag season. Happy Sagittarius I know. To all our Sagittarius listeners out there and lovers. We love you and we can't wait to party with you. Yeah, because Sagittarius does know how to bring the party. Nobody's the life of the party like a Sagittarius. It's very true. Well, except for depressed. Oh, Okay. <laughs> no. But even I then, actually feel like even a depressed Sagittarius party's even harder. That's probably true. Yeah, they're even more fun. Um, but yeah, so Sagittarius season, we got out of our Scorpio season, which I think was very transformative and 
took a lot of people down into the depths. Yes. Um, but now, you know, it's uh, Sagittarius. It's ruled by Jupiter and Jupiter itself, which is, you know, sort of the planet that rules like abundance and growth. Um, you know, so I always say it's sort of the guardian angel or your good luck charm. Um, but it's ruled by Sagittarius. And so it's now currently in its actual home for the next year. Um so that's very exciting, I think, for everyone in regards to just having a place of optimism to look for in their chart. Um, so wherever you have Sagittarius, you not only have this next sun cycle, but also this year and some change of Jupiter sort of coming in and activating personal growth in a certain area of your life, which I don't think anyone can, you know, feel bad for having right now um, we're also um, having a mercury retrograde phase right now in Sagittarius as well which I just think you know obviously whenever we have a retrograde phase specifically in mercury it's okay let's pause and rethink some things reevaluate you know where we're at so I would just even say on some level we all need to be reevaluating our relationship to optimism. Mm. I think a lot of us have probably lost some along the way and rightfully so. I think that you know everyone is facing challenges in their personal life. Obviously our you know sort of political landscape creates challenges for a lot of people. So I think, you know, how do we sort of get into a place where we can reconnect, you know, at least on an, on a mental level with how do we move forward with optimism, which, you know, on some level I've been not only doing like a lot of affirmations for myself, which I think I've talked about and sort of just, you know, when I'm in my meditation, like just somewhat like mantras, but I've actually been prescribing that a lot. I feel to people lately when I when I work with them because it is so much about like let's retrain our minds to sort of try and come at things from a more positive place and of course you know I, I don't want us to like just like get immersed in like magical thinking per se but I do think it is important for us to have a relationship you know with our minds with our thoughts with our ideas and really pay attention to them and make sure that we're not you know, creating even greater problems that we're already up against, you know? So if we can come in from a positive, optimistic space, then I think we can achieve even more change and help, you know, push things forward. And there is, I think, a real space for that right now to help manifest that. Yeah, well, wherever Jupiter is, it expands. Mm -hmm. So Jupiter and Scorpio expanded a lot of darkness, a lot of shadow. That's what we just had, you know, this past year. So Jupiter and Sagittarius is, you know, expanding the vision, expanding the truth, expanding adventure. So I think this is a really great time. And you've got, you know, 14 months to do this. But just start to challenge yourself to expand your vision. And that requires tremendous optimism. It's very scary to dream a big dream for yourself because what if it doesn't come true? But you know what? It won't come true if you don't dream it. I was just writing today, you know, when you have a vision, a vision is a plan. You can work backwards from the vision. If you don't have a vision, you don't know where you're going. So I would just encourage everybody to optimistically start dreaming a bigger dream and if the dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough yet. No, and I think that's actually so apropos, too, to the fact that Mars also just moved into Pisces, mm. which is the dreamer sign. And, you know, Mars being action. Yeah. 
So sort of being motivated by your dreams is so, I think, important. And and Mars has been in Aquarius since May because of the retrograde that it went through. So we've all been in like this Mars and Aquarius vibe for a while. So now it's, you know, the shift sort of has us all having to kind of get more in touch with our intuitive selves, our emotional selves. So it's definitely a very sensitive time right now. A lot of people are having to move from the heart or from the head into the heart. Um, So be really gentle with yourselves too. Hence the whole conversation about how are you talking to yourself? Um, You know, right now is a time to really be gentle, you know, so that that sort of, holiday melancholy doesn't overwhelm you yeah just like you know pour it some eggnog and give it a cookie oh that's or fun. take it to the gym can we just forego the eggnog and have like the bourbon yeah sure <laughs> just a bourbon cookie party that sounds lovely that sounds fun yeah um all right well that's great are there any other transits or anything anybody needs to know for the next couple weeks you know i think that's the stuff that's the that's the meaty those are the big shifts i love it well, and now here's our big shift into an incredible conversation that we can't wait to share with you with James R. Eads. As we said before, he's an incredibly talented artist. He has a couple of different decks, um, the Prisma Visions, the Light Visions. Um, we'll let him talk more about that. But without any further chit chat, here's this episode's Spirit Talk. talk. So James, welcome to the Spirit Room. We are Thank so you. honored and excited to have you here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. Um, so I just want to introduce you a little bit to our listeners. So James is an artist, an incredible artist, and he also uh, has designed many different decks, one of which is a tarot deck called the Prisma Visions and the Light Visions Tarot. And this is the tarot deck that I use. It's like my number one primary deck. And I was so excited to get to meet with James, and I thought it would be a real treat for him to come and just share his experience of art and tarot and spirituality. And so that is who we have sitting with us today. So again, welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. And the first time I, you know, I became familiar with your work because Brandon brought your deck home and started to kind of lay it out. Uh-huh. And it like creates such a like cool, vast, like it's very like conceptual in its scope, which I think is like really cool. And I've never seen that before. And I've definitely like met a yeah. few decks in my time. Definitely. But it's yeah. <laughs> so unique and really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think tarot is a piece of art in itself, you know, and like the box and the way you open it and like the manual and like the way the cards feel like that all comes together. And so I feel like when there can be like a missed opportunity when you don't kind of like express that artistic side of tarot. Yeah. So that was kind of like one of my main goals. Yeah. But it so also really helps through. in the reading of the cards too. Right. Cause yeah. what, what James has done is that, for all of the minor arcana, so from ace to king in each of the four suits, you can lay them all next to each other and they create this panorama. Mm-hmm. So you see the story, the whole story. So what's super fun is in a reading, when people have cards that do connect with each other, I show them. It's like I've done a magic trick. <laughs> and I literally put the cards next to each other and people are always like, oh, you didn't my, shuffle. oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, but it's just a really great way to show people right. that that this is a journey we're taking and you're never stuck in one card because Mm -hmm. you've illustrated so beautifully like how to take that journey. Um, But before we even dive into the tarot, Mm -hmm. I want to like take you way back to like little (laughs) James. Back back to the beginning. And I'm just wondering like, were you always an artist? 
And what was your experience with art growing up? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I grew up in L.A. to a family of artists. Um, both my parents are art directors for TV. My brother's a musician. So I kind of grew up going to art classes. I took like fine art classes where I kind of like learned the fundamentals of drawing and also more like animation classes. And I kind of like they were very supportive and like becoming an artist. So that was like key. Um, and I went to in high school, like it wasn't an art school. It was more like a it was called Los Angeles Center for Enriched Studies. So it was known for like their AP classes and education. Generally, sure. the art was actually pretty bad. But <laughs> <laughs> then I went to college at a liberal arts school, Skidmore. Um, and I studied printmaking and painting and kind of just started growing from there more, like mm. kind of cementing my style, more like movement, impressionistic vibes, that kind of thing. Um, do you want me to go through my whole story? Is that is that what I'm doing now? No, not at all. <laughs> just I'm just curious, like how art kind of swooped you up as a child and how it's yeah. evolved for you. I mean, it's pretty it wasn't ever like a thought out thing it just like felt like what I was supposed to be doing yeah. like I remember my first self-portrait when I was like three I drew like my eyelashes like all the way to the floor because I was they were yes. very long I guess as a kid that's amazing my mom likes to reference that one a lot um <laughs> yeah it's never been like oh I want to be an artist it's more like oh I'm gonna be an artist yeah like it didn't I'd never had like a plan b sure. I don't really know what I would be doing otherwise yeah right so I'm very lucky and fortunate to be able to do that um and I'm so curious, like as an artist, because I am not a visual artist by any means. Neither I'm of us like are. stick figure. <laughs> yeah, us, us both. So I don't really, really even know like what that's like to like see the world through the eyes of an artist. Like it's did pretty you, dull. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I don't see like, you know, it's not like I'm tripping on mushrooms every day and I yeah, see yeah. like things moving around. Um I think of art more as like a form of meditation that you don't really realize you're doing all the time, uh -huh. which I think is why like maybe I don't have so many like anxiety issues and like that kind of stuff is because I feel like art kind of grounds me in a way mm -hmm. where I'm like in this creative flow state where like things are just coming to you and you're not really thinking, you're just kind of like feeling it. And I think that is like one of the key parts of like doing art is kind of like going with what the art is. Mm-hmm trying to become rather than like forcing it i mean of course like have like a prompt or like something you want to draw or paint or sculpt or whatever but like a lot of it is like letting go i think mm. so it is like a very like spiritual practice it seems i think so i think it took me a long time to kind of realize that mm -hmm. um but there's definitely like a sense of calm that i like get from like doing art and when i go a couple of days without it i feel a little like nuts mm. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it's a way that you kind of use the energy. And like, if you don't mm -hmm. use the energy, it can manifest as anxiety. Right. That's how I feel about like singing or sometimes even just like movement. You know, it's like if I haven't moved in a day, uh -huh. then it starts to become anxiety. Is that what anxiety is? Just like pent up energy? That's my little uh -huh. yeah theory is that most anxiety is unexpressed energy and oftentimes it's like very intuitive very sensitive people that are like actually receiving messages all the time but they don't know how to like use their gifts mm -hmm. that experience anxiety because it's just like it's just getting clogged <clears throat> up in the system but as soon as you start to express it or share it you know like yeah then it can move through you i mean that makes sense to me <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But I'm curious because you did mention when you were at Skidmore uh -huh. that you specialized or decided to move towards impressionism. And then you also said movement. 
And yes. I think I just want well, to, I feel like impression impressionism and movement are like hand in hand a yeah. little bit. Impressionism is also like color, I mm-hmm. think, but you know, like all the greats like Seurat, Van Gogh, Monet, Cezanne, like they all like have like very distinct mark making styles, but also like a s- understanding of color where like you can use orange as like a shadow color as long as the colors around it are like working off of that color mm. basically. So it's sort of like playing with like what you know to be true and like what you can convince someone to be true. Sure. A little bit. And so like at in college, like studying printmaking and painting, like there's a lot of like mark making and like woodblock printmaking where you're like carving the wood. So you see like the texture of the wood. Um, and that sort of like catapulted me more in that direction, I think. I just think that when I look at your work, there is such a feeling of movement, mm-hmm. like the movement of energy, which I really love in the cards because it's like you can see where the energy's going and you're kind of speaking to the movement of things that you don't necessarily see move right. when you're alive, like not just like the bodies. Wind. And yes, exactly. Yeah. The wind moves me the most probably in art, I would say mm-hmm. the wind and the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think art is like a really good opportunity to express things that you can't normally see you know like love the the wind energy all that kind of stuff that like like yes you can you can draw like a dresser in a bedroom and like that is beautiful in itself but like there's the best thing about art is that like you can kind of make it up Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. you can create magic within like the mundane that's interesting because i as an astrologer Mm -hmm. I always associate, I feel like art gets associated a lot with the fifth house, which is the Leo house. It's like very creative, but I tend to associate it with the 12th house, which is the house of the unknown. Uh Fifth house is like pleasures. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fun, which I think. could be both. I I think it is both, but I tend to like always find like the way into create, creating it through the 12th house. But I guess it, I guess it varies per the person, but. I think it, it just, probably also depends on what kind of art you're making. Yeah. You know, like if you're working on like some spiritual art, like an Oracle deck or something, like maybe that would be the 12th house versus like an album cover, <laughs> which is like more fifth house, maybe. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 A Depending podcast cover. <laughs> you know? Not this one. This one would be very 12th house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Channeled from the gods. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so the art was like beginnings you know you came out an artist when did the artist yeah (laughs) you were born an artist when did the and you said it was when you were older that you connected like the meditation of it so when did spirituality for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. sort of enter into your your frame of mind i would say after college yeah um because i think up till through college like i was creating art because it was work like I had to, I was in classes I had to like create art and like I was growing as an artist through like means of prompts and like classes and like things that I had to create versus like when you leave college you're kind of like what do I do now like there's just so much so many options and like it's a little paralyzing so that's kind of where prison visions came in it was like a self-directed prompt um and like around that time maybe a little later I got really into like past lives and past life regressions And that sort of like fueled a whole new series of art called A Thousand Years of Life, where I kind of like explored different lifetimes that I've lived and like wrote little poems with each piece. Um, And so that is now kind of like making its way back into like this new deck that I'm designing. Wow. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, it's coming. I want to know about that. A Thousand Years of Life. Oh, that that series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're just these like circular silver ink on like black paper prints. Like they're pretty like 
they're not like highly detailed. There's no color. It's just kind of like these little snapshots of like different lives. There's one of like this woman dying in a forest, like foraging from mushrooms. She like ate a poisonous mushroom. There's like this one of a like baby zebra being chased by like a lion. And are Um, these experiences that you had when you did, James told me about this particular past life regression uh, video on YouTube, which I did. So I'm just curious, (laughs) did these come to you? Yeah. Some of, some of them were like directly were like, past lives coming to me and other ones were more like imagery that popped up. There were more like fragments, but they're all inspired from that. When I did that, I was a woman foraging for mushrooms really? in the forest. <laughs> that I think we hard. all were that's once a how, woman That's not foraging. how I died though. I think that's true. We probably all were a woman foraging yeah. for mushrooms at some point. <laughs> that's so wild. Yeah. So wait, so specifically the tarot, like, so when did that, yeah. how did you come to? So when I first started Prison Visions, I wasn't like a big tarot reader uh-huh. i like you know went to magic shops as like a 13 year old and like okay. loved that stuff <laughs> and like crystals and all that thing and like my mom had a tarot deck um oh, okay so it wasn't completely no it wasn't like what is a tarot deck yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't know how to read tarot really and the the way that i kind of learned how to do things is by like making them a little bit yeah um so for me they're sort of like flashcards. like if i spend enough time like working on the eight of swords like I'm gonna understand that it's sort of about like being trapped and like vulnerability and like not really like being able to move on because like of exterior forces and stuff and so I have these like images in my head that I can like relate to the meaning I just like never really hold information when I'm like reading a book as well as I do when I'm like making something um so prison visions was sort of like me well light visions actually came first that was Mm -hmm. like the predecessor and what created prison visions but making that deck was how i kind of like learned what tarot was and it started from i was it was like the first gig poster i made uh-huh. i used to do a lot of gig posters for bands and it's for this group called why they're kind of like alternative rap for like lack of a better oh. term i mean it's <laughs> I jewish know. rap right yeah jewish rap jewish sure. rap. yeah that's a thing uh, it's um a thing. It's, a, it's a genre <laughs> i didn't know very anyways he has, the, he has this album and like the last i think the last song is called as a card and it's about like the last card in the deck and like dying sort of and like that to me kind of spoke to like the death card and also like a tarot deck it's so, like that kind of started like fueling that imagery so i created a illustration of like a tarot reading for that gig poster and that was the beginning of light visions so wild because it's almost like hearing the story again that the tarot was calling to you to reimagine it yeah like yeah. like the spirit of the tarot was like james i need you i need you it's true though because yeah. i i mean i think i needed it too yeah you know? and it heal it helped heal you in some ways i'm sure to move through that experience yeah i mean i was like going through a lot of like physical pain when i was making the like suit of swords in that deck which oh, is wow. to me about pain you know totally I like had herniated I have a herniated disc in my back and I'd like flared up that time and it was like really painful it was like weeks of like trying to work on it but also just being in too much pain to even like sit down um so like I was intermittently like infusing pain into that <laughs> suit yeah but um I like to think that it was like the pain that was needed for it not any excess totally hopefully. right yeah yeah just yeah. the right amount of pain yeah yeah so you make a tarot deck what do you did you like give readings to people on it or yeah like, <laughs> yeah like I, I do readings for like friends family yeah, you that do. kind of oh, stuff okay. yeah yeah i can do readings i would just not charge someone for one because okay. i'm not like you know a professional nor do do i really like that's not my goal it's to like do readings for somebody i more yeah. want to like create a tool that people can use for their imagination or to do readings or like to expand on what they know that wasn't really like 
what I was going for. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But it's a new skill that I have that I can now do. Which I mean, I yeah, it's such a unique experience to be able to give tarot readings. Definitely. Using it can a be a burden too when someone knows that you do tarot. He's like, oh, like I had a party like a week or two ago and this girl like knew that I or found out I made a tarot deck. She's like, oh, can you read my cards? And I was like in the middle of this party. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say no. And like I did a quick three card reading and I think she pulled like three cards right in a row and asked if I'd shuffled the deck. Oh man. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, I did. It's just, <laughs> this is just what's speaking to you. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. I always like when three cards come in a row. Cause it's like step one, step two, step three. It's like when I always say like the right. tarot is an it's incredibly practical tool sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a beautiful esoteric tool, but sometimes it's like, if you want to make this happen, here mm-hmm. are the three steps you need to take. And right. sometimes it just kind of shows it to you right away. But we had a really interesting conversation and I want to try to, not rehash it, but draw you out a little bit that when you were working on these cards, Mm -hmm. there was a fine line you were walking between bringing in the right symbology, but not making it so rigid that other people weren't going to be able to bring their own imagination to it. Do you remember talking about this a little bit? Vaguely. I'm just curious. (laughs) What is, what are you trying to get me to say? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) nothing. I really am just trying to get you to tell me about that experience because there's a lot of tarot decks and a lot of them are bad. And I think a lot of them are bad because they're too flat. They're so literal. And the best decks kind of walk this line between evoking a feeling, giving you the literal symbology, but not trapping you within it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at the heart of what you just said is like good art, Mm. you know, like you're, you want to create something that like somebody can grab onto some symbolism or something like familiar, but not so concrete that they can't interpret their own feelings. Yeah. You know? So like a lot of these cards are a little more like vague or open-ended for that reason, I think. Um, so I wanted to like use the imagery and symbolism from like the traditional Rider weight tarot, but also like do a modern spin on it. That's a little more like open to life today. Yeah, sure. You know, cause that, deck is a little outdated yeah it's, I always say it's a bunch new. of like, it's a bunch of like straight white people <laughs> right yeah, yeah so <laughs> you, know, medieval times. It, you said it yeah, yeah i know i say that all the time um so yeah i mean i just i wanted something that like people could interpret on their own because i think that with tarot what you're doing is you're reading the art on the cards first and then what the cards mean second so like the six of swords in one deck might mean something a little different in another deck, depending on what the cards are. Yeah. And in a lot of tarot decks, you see like the minor arcana as just six swords or seven swords. It's just like a very like simple image where you can't really interpret much else sure. besides like what the actual meaning is. And so I kind of wanted to take it a step further than that. Yeah. And I particularly love your six of swords, by the way. Because the Six of Swords <laughs> to me is all about like moving forwards. The two butterflies over the bridge. Over the bridge. One. You yeah. made a bridge out of those Six Swords, yeah. which I just think is really very smart. And and also gives you, it's not so rigid. It's like an emotional feeling of moving forwards. Like what is mm-hmm. moving forwards? It's a bridge, like one plane of existence and then the next plane. And then here's the swords that kind of connect you. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say the hardest part was like working the swords actually into the image, you know, because I had mm-hmm. like the image, but then I was like, how am I going to like put swords Make in this, here. like yeah. 10 swords in an image like that's heavy yeah you know so you know you impale a dude 10 times <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so did making the tarot deck then inform some of your other work or like were you able to see that because you're obviously just not making tarot decks you're doing tons of other work no i'm not i'm doing other work but i'm now coming back to decks yeah because like, i've started to realize how much i like making them but i would say yes it did inform 
other work. I think that kind of what I strive to do as an artist is like create a world that like is similar to our world, but like a little bit different, you know, like a little to the little to the left, like Hmm. familiar, but like you can see the wind, for example. So like creating the tarot deck was sort of like a jump start into like making that world, I think, because it's like comprised of 78 images that like have a story that they're telling. And so I think like that mode of storytelling has kind of carried itself out into my other work. And I sometimes will reference Prism Visions in like certain prints that some people like notice. It comes up more than I probably realized. Right. Say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the world that, that you create is so like metaphysical, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it has so many like ethereal elements. Right. So I'm curious since it then like bled out into your other work, how did making the tarot deck affect your actual like life? Did it or did it in any way? I guess as far as even just connecting you more to yeah. your spirit self. <laughs> uh, it has affected my life tremendously I would say I think it's like fuel it's allowed me to like live as an artist Mm. I think because of how popular it's been like it kind of is the backbone to my business in a way like I'm now able to have like four employees and we like make limited edition prints and we all have a good time and like we're generating art and like people love it and like it's great um and so the tarot has been kind of like a consistent thing since I created it in 2013 um but it's also like I think opened the door for spirituality for me in a way because like I came into tarot and then I learned about past lives and then since then it's sort of been like a little snowballing of more stuff like geomancy Lenormand open portals that kind of stuff so I think it was a key in my spiritual movement I would say Mm -hmm. yeah can we take a moment here and just have a little mini past lives conversation? Yeah. Just because sure. now none of us here are experts, nope. except that we are experts on the fact that we all have past lives. Do you know what I mean? Like we all. Yeah. We've all had some sort of experience. Yes. Yeah. But we're not like expert past life regression therapists or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I just thought <laughs> it's a subject that hasn't come up on the show yet. And it is. Really? Yeah. Surprising. We haven't really talked about past lives that much. No. And I think it's a really important thing to talk about Mm -hmm. um and so i just thought i would open up that door and maybe draw you out first james just like i remember you saying you were traveling a lot and you were doing this past life oh i'll just say so brian weiss Mm w-e-i-s-s he wrote this book called many lives many masters and he was we could consider him who brought the idea of past lives to contemporary western society he didn't make it up but he's kind of who got people talking about it again and he has on youtube a free 30 minute it's a video of him when he basically it's a strange video it's a very strange video because (laughs) they're all in like like, lazy boy chairs yeah they're in lazy boy chairs in like a big like lecture hall (laughs) and he but if you listen to this and you kind of like get quiet and lay down you can it worked for me be regressed into your past lives and you did this quite a few times and had many maybe a little too much yeah maybe too much how do you how do you feel you did it too much uh it just kind of stopped working so well you know like i was really just like overdosing on past life regressions yeah (laughs) like maybe you were living too much in the past lives and not in the current life Maybe I was just seeing too much. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I saw what I kind of needed to see. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, yeah. So when I first started doing it, it was like 2015, I think. Um, and I was traveling. I went to like Iceland and Paris and London, I think. And like in between like places or at airports and parks, I would just like kind of do these passive regressions. I probably did like 15 when I was like on that two or three week trip. Wow. Um, yeah. That and I would just like cool. write a lot. I would write about them and kind of just like keep a journal or a digital note um 
and yeah they just like fueled a lot of my art and I think that like before before I like got into past lives I didn't really have like a strong belief in like what happens after you die you know I just kind of you know people are screaming like heaven hell like nothing and like none of those options seem that great to me like I don't really <laughs> understand what heaven is yeah don't really want to understand what hell is for sure and nothing's pretty bleak it doesn't seem so it doesn't make as much sense to me yeah you know like you just live one life and then you're done because like the idea i think the core belief of past lives is that like you're living all these lives you can kind of like gain clarity and like understanding of like what it means to be alive because Mm -hmm. you can't possibly experience the whole spectrum as like a white man yeah you know <laughs> like <laughs> right just you can't or no. like a straight man Though or some a would gay think, man or some like, would think the opposite <laughs> yeah. some would think the opposite yeah <laughs> they don't need to be named um no. but i think that idea kind of grounded me in in believing in it and that like i have i've lived like a very like lucky and like fortunate life where i can be an artist but like that's not giving me understanding on other aspects of the world that i'm not experiencing mm. And so I think that we live again and again to kind of like chisel away at this like block to create like this diamond basically of Mm. a soul. And then like once you have reached that potential understanding enlightenment, you kind of like move on or whatever. I think that in the book, the way that he kind of describes it is like the physical plane is like kind of like our intermediate plane. And whereas Mm -hmm. like the spiritual plane is like the actual home. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, that there is some <laughs> you know, other realm. We're all just like playing around down here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it also like brings a lot of clarity in the whole like connections with people and like thinking that like you know somebody even though you've never met them before. Mm-hmm. For sure. Or like having like traits or skills that like you can't really explain why you're really good at it, but you yeah. are. Or prodigies who are children who can like play the piano or like write or cook or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. There's a lot of skills that like kids have when they're like four or five that like don't make sense because they're too young to like be that good at something. So there's a lot of like explanations that I think past lives kind of clarify for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not just the good, but the bad too. Like why Mm -hmm. some people have blocks or issues that don't seem to have initiated in this life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely been like my own personal experience with it is sort of how I came into past lives and understanding them mm-hmm. it was like definitely like the key that opened the door to just like me under getting in touch with spirituality for myself you know it's how i was introduced really to astrology and tarot in a meaningful way because i was told you should because you've done this stuff before mm-hmm. so to your point and, and i felt like that within a year i was like doing those things full time right so mm-hmm. and they didn't it didn't feel uncomfortable you know, it felt like what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and I always find it fascinating now too, because when I do like when I sit with people with the first you know, astrology readings and past life things come up, that's always really fascinating too, to talk about sort of whatever um, potential emotional blockages, for example, may stem from other lives that they've had and like is energy that they've brought in and just like how that can resonate with a lot of people I always think mm-hmm. is super interesting to like see sort of the light bulb go off for people of like, oh, that's why I've always had this certain feeling and mm-hmm. or potentially why and could never fully explain it because it is like a connection to something that you can't 
touch like here in this life you know entirely yeah and that this life is a karmic opportunity to like bring balance to like what might have been out of balance in those past lives yeah ding 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 like you can heal backwards Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. as you kind of vision forwards i just um i was taking a workshop this weekend with the foundation for shamanic studies and this wasn't something that came out of that but it just got me doing some research and thinking about the soul. And it's interesting that in some shamanic beliefs, very similar to Jewish uh, mysticism, that the soul Mm -hmm. is composed of three parts and that one part is this kind of like immortal soul, like the soul that does reincarnate that like, it's the part of you that goes from lifetime to lifetime through this huge journey. But then there's the other part of the soul and, and that part, the immortal soul, like we would think of that as like the divine drop in the divine ocean. Like that's that like the essence of divinity. But then there's like the personality of the soul. So that's why like even though your grandmother maybe has reincarnated, you can still connect with her specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's like there will always be a little bit of Brandon or a little bit of James kind of hanging around because Mm -hmm. that's the imprint you make. And that's the second part. And then the third part of the soul is, is just the soul of the body, like that animating force of our physical form. And when we die, it's you know, believe that that energy just goes back into the earth, just redistributes, you know? So that's, that was always my question. Like, well, how do I reincarnate if I'm also still like this unique being, you know, like, like if I can connect to the energy of, you know, yeah, these people that were alive, didn't they reincarnate? And that makes, that always made a lot of sense. In Hebrew, it's the Ruach, the Nefesh and the Neshama are those three different kind of soul parts. But in Hmm. shamanic practice, it's a similar view, which I just think is interesting. But not surprising. But not surprising. Because mm-hmm. I believe so there's like, a lot of like cultural like overlap. The commonalities. Like, a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. the universalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's like we're not making this shit up. You know, like <laughs> it's right. we're just lying to you. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, like we're all receiving these same things, these same messages. Um, I have a question that I'm curious to sure. hear your response to because I am Again, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not a visual artist, Mm -hmm. but I am a writer. And for myself as a writer, I certainly recognize that even when I'm telling stories about other characters and beings that I am working through my own sort of shit at the end of the day, I can recognize, you know, and help process certain things. Mm -hmm. Does that factor into your to your own like artistic process like can you look back at work and be like oh that's about x or or does that or is it a whole separate thing yes (laughs) (laughs) um i think that yeah i mean a lot of my favorite pieces have like emotion or like something that i'm going through or meaning like in the center or the heart of it but like the light is like a large like influence in my work it's like that'll come across in like different pieces and like the light could be dying, which like resembles like the ending of something, the beginning of something else. Um, like I'm particularly thinking about this piece called The Last Breath Returns the Light, which is like I have a series of I like to do like still lives of like flowers and stuff. And this one is like these like dying lilies in a vase. And like this light is just like coming from the flower and like falling towards the ground. And there's like this little boat just like like sort of like going across the shadow of the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that's sort of like I forget what was ending for me but that was sort of like me like letting go of something and like moving on from it so like there's like definitely a, a catharsis in like creating 
art for sure. Yeah. And I think that a lot of, I think there's like two categories of art that I make. There's like art for everybody and then there's art for myself. Right. You know, it's like the stuff that I'm doing for myself. A lot of it will almost always start as stuff for myself that I can then like adapt or create or even just keep the same that I can then like give to the public, you know, whereas like some art just stays for me. And how do you differentiate that? You just know? Just a feeling. Yeah. 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 Like I, like this one piece I did last year, maybe it was called like the endless cycle of pain and healing. I love that one. I've seen that. Thank you. Which went with like a long, like word piece poem thing about like healing and like how it just feels like, you know, like there's no way you're going to move past this. And it's just like this terrible pain. There's no way like anything could be good after this. And like, how slowly you start to like build and come together and like you become stronger through that and you like transform into like this new person and then bam the pain hits again and like you're in this new cycle so it's sort of like this figure transforming in like a circle coming back to themselves and so like that piece specifically was like when I was in a lot of pain again and I was just like I hate this like it sucks and like so I was like creating it like for like a reminder to myself in a way but I also felt like other people could benefit from it too. I have to tell you, when I found out that you were gay, I was so excited with the deck itself because, well, first of all, like in The Lovers, there's two men dancing with each other, Uh but also like just to know that the energy that created this deck was somebody that just had a similarity to me, you know, like that felt very comforting just in and of itself. And I know sometimes that can seem like, well, we like are only trying to hang out with our own, but I do think like when you're working with spiritual realms, like to know like, okay, like whoever is kind of shepherding me through this tarot journey understands me a little bit more mm-hmm. deeply than somebody that wouldn't have that shared experience of being gay. Sure. And so I'm just curious, like if being a gay man, how that like affects your artistic practice or your spiritual practice, if you think about it or if it's a non-issue. Like a lot of people will message me and be like, oh, like this is like, I have a lot of pieces of like people hugging. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, someone actually messaged me yesterday and was like, would you consider making a piece of like two people of the same sex hugging? And I was kind of like, what do you mean? These are all two men, Mm. you know, like (laughs) I don't think there's any piece I've done of a man and a woman, but like people see what they want to see. Like for example, with like tarot where that's like a lot of the imagery is very like old and stale of like white people or straight people. And very gendered too. Um, Right. Very gendered. Yeah. A lot of men. Um, I mean, it's, it's, inherently uneven just because there's the page the knight and the king and then there's only the queen yeah yeah so like a lot of the pages in my deck i made into women which a lot of people also don't know there's like the page of swords is supposed to be a woman but people still see it as a dude oh wow and it's hard because like so many of these like divination forms are so old that it's just like grounded in there that it's like it can be hard to kind of like switch it up yeah so like for example with the lenormand deck that i'm making now like it's the gentleman and the lady and like that's very like you know and there's the cross too which is like a lot of people aren't religious and like don't really like have any like association with the cross. So it's like not very like speaking towards them. So like mm-hmm. I create alternate cards that you can substitute in. So you can do like mm. the lady and another lady or like mm-hmm. the gentleman and another gentleman or the person, if you're non-gender conforming or like the albatross instead of the cross. Love so that. like I like to hope that like my specific voice is like allowing a little more like breathing room for like the traditional imagery that we see as two lovers for example yeah i just think it's interesting to talk about because my therapist is always reminding me that heterosexual people 
mm-hmm. are responsible for the physical reproduction of the human species. Like that's literally <laughs> what they do in terms of like a it's all they're good for. No, yeah. it's not all they're good for. <laughs> Shout outs like, to straight people. Yeah, straight people, thanks for keeping us going. But <laughs> but homosexuals throughout time, the role that they used to hold in society was as these gatekeepers these artists and these dreamers and these Mm -hmm. shamans that would kind of bridge the worlds that would remind people of their deeper soul purposes yeah they're perpetuating culture yes and and so so do you think that's why there's so much overlap between like divination and spirituality and like homosexuality I think in some ways, I feel like there's a lot of like gay people who are into it. I think so. For I think sure. I think gay <laughs> it's people. It's such a queer movement, right? Yeah, now, I think. I think gay people just in general. I mean, this is what my therapist is saying: is like our role has always been in society to be in touch with these deeper energies and mm-hmm. to facilitate everyone having access to them. You know, and so that's what you've, I mean, that's what you've been talking about this whole time with the deck itself, you know, is creating this space for people to come into and have a deeper connection and, and, and broadening what it is. But yeah. Well, and if you're taking it back, I mean, I feel like sort of sexuality and spirituality were commingled in like ancient societies. So you Mm -hmm. you have sort of like two spirits and things of that nature where they were sort of deemed sort of, you know, like a whole sort of otherworldly being and mm-hmm. were respected as such. Yeah. So it is kind of cool to sort of see on some level like a reclamation of that for yeah. certain people, you know, like that mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah. Spirituality through time is like an interesting subject because like I feel like at one point we used to be much more spiritually open. Yeah. You know, and then like I want to say like 16th, 17th century, it kind of like switched. Yeah. And like since then, we've kind of just been trying to move back to where we maybe were before. 100%. And then tell us just a little bit about the Lenormand deck because that's your latest project that you're working yes. on. And I just very think excited it's, about that. Because that is an Oracle deck. Yes. That's like a very yeah, old Oracle. I would deck. say so Lenormand and Terror are like the two Oracle decks that have like very a foundation specific. of symbolism. Sure. You know, like they're always the same cards. And then Oracle decks are whatever you want totally. them to be. Um, yeah, because so I could make like an angel oracle deck and you could make an angel oracle and deck and they'd be, be totally angels. fucking different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Yours if we would just be images make... of him, right? Yeah, it would just be angel. <laughs> Honey, that'd Sunday be the angel, most romantic thing Monday you ever angel. Did. Valentine's oh Day is around the corner. That'd be so cute. Okay, we're going to talk after this, James. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Lenormand is a set of 36 symbols. Its origin is also unclear, but comes from France slash Germany. <laughs> One of the two, maybe both, Um, like late 18th century, like 1799, like the last year, maybe. Um, And it's a set of cards that kind of speaks to like the symbolism that you see in the world. So it's like very like intuitive things like the house represents family and like structure and also home. And then like the fox represents like wrongdoings and like sneakiness and like cunning um, and then there's like some overlap with Terra, like there's stars, which in the Norman is more about like clarity and like guidance and the tower, which is more about like isolation and like authority. Mm. So you kind of have like these 36 cards that you can do this thing called a grand tableau, which is where you let you shuffle the deck and you lay out all 36 cards. You choose a significator. Um, generally like for a man, it's a man for a woman, it's a woman. So I've also added person for gender neutral, um, and then you're able to kind of tell a story based on the cards that are surrounding the character. Mm-hmm. And so like where they fall is like 
the present and then the cards behind them is the past, the cards in front of the future. And then you kind of read different combinations of cards. Like the center uh, column is like your five important houses. So those are like house of the tree, which is about like growth and health house of the Fox, which is about like street smarts and like survival. There's house of mice, which is about worries. And then there's the house of the moon, which is about like dreams and emotions. That's where I'm am most of the time. Yeah. Living in house of the moon. <laughs> yeah. I'm either yeah. in the house of the moon. Moon in house of the, house of the, of the moon. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, the brief run through, but uh-huh. yeah, I'm working on a, a new deck that's nearing the end stages. I've written most of the manual that goes with it. So I just want to say thank you, James. This was course, such an amazing yeah. conversation. I'm I so know. glad our listeners got to be introduced to you. Would you tell everybody like where they can find you, like in the in the World Wide Web? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't come to my house. <laughs> yeah, no. Don't give anybody your, <laughs> address. your address, James. Nineteen. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at James R Eads Art, or uh, I've got a shop where we sell the tarot decks and lots of prints. Um, that's James R Eads Merch M E R C H dot com. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, we close every show. I pull a card for everyone for the week. So what I'm going to do actually is I'm going to shuffle and I'm going to let James pull the card for everybody. Okay. And we'll just talk about it a little bit. So I'm just going to take a moment. I'm just going to shuffle. So this is your opportunity just to kind of tune in, get quiet, take a moment for yourself, unless you're driving, in which case you can get quiet, but you can also keep your eyes open. I'll close my eyes for you. For the driving people. We're just going to pull one card, which is a message that will resonate for whenever you listen to this podcast. So even if it's like 2021 and you're listening back through all of the episodes. So I'm pulling the message for everybody. Yeah, this is for everybody. Wow. So I'm no just going to Yeah, no, no yeah. Pressure. You don't have to interpret, though, if you don't want to. But you can if you want. Maybe I'll let you interpret it. And then you can fill in, fill in <laughs> any gaps. Yeah. We can totally do that. All right. So I'm just going to shuffle one more time. All right, I'm going to walk over to James and let him pull a card. What's the card going to be? Oh, here we go. Six of Wands. Whoa. That one comes up a lot for me. All right, so James pulled the Six of Wands, which he said is a card that comes up a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that before I tell everybody <laughs> what the, the message is? Um, six of Wands to me is about like creative adventures new beginnings like moving through things sixes are sort of about like excitement yeah in a way totally um i think that i often have like a lot of new like creative ventures that sometimes like can muddle things for me but also like influence new things yeah so it could be a warning could be also like a go for it congratulations keep doing it yeah totally (laughs) I think of all of the sixes, the fives and the sixes to me, they partner. The five Uh is the necessary contraction. Mm -hmm. And then the six is the expansion that comes after being contracted. So with the five of wands, there's a lot of like contraction of energy. Sometimes it's like energy going in a lot of different directions or it's like a lot of competition or comparing yourself. And then the six is when the energy is finally kind of channeled in one clear direction again. So it's like you're moving forwards, you're moving upwards and it's wands, so it's things that spark. So it's about your creativity or your sexuality or spirituality. Mm-hmm. But it is this sense of like rising above or finding a higher plane on which to travel or to think about things, um, which is a really beautiful message for everyone, particularly like this time of year, which can be a very stressful, mm-hmm. very intense holiday time. Like mm-hmm. to find a higher plane on which to experience it would be very beneficial. So just know that's available to you. And what I also think like, 
another message with the Six of Wands is just like, just because you've done things one way in the past doesn't mean that you now can't do it an entirely different way. Sure. Because Six is, again, like this expansion, you know, with the Mm -hmm. Six of Swords, which you talked a little bit, it's like doing things in a different way or like thinking about things in a different way. And with the Six of Wands, it's feeling things in a different way, like letting Mm -hmm. the energy move in a different way. Mm -hmm. And the Six of Wands would would present that to all of us. So that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, You can find us at The Spiritual Gaze, G-A-Y-Z, on Instagram, or just Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. Or you can just find us also at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. And thanks to everybody for listening. We're so grateful for this ongoing conversation and relationship we have with all of you. This is really an honor, and we just love connecting with you. So please don't be afraid to reach out to us with questions or comments. Yeah, you can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. And a big thank you to our neighbor Carl, as always, for making all this technology happen. A big thank you to Justin Simeon for the interstitial music. Yes. This has been your moment in The the Spiritual Gaze. gaze. We did it. We did it. (laughs) 